Thank you, Oscar. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today, and um, I want to invite you to grab your Bible, or maybe you've got your iPad or your iPhone or your Android device. Don't forget that uh, our notes are on version. Um, I just want to say real quickly as I get ready to launch into this uh, message, um, thank you, Oscar, for that gift of your music just then. Uh, we started off with a brand new song we've never sung here this morning, and um, I love how Oscar just gives it his all, you know, um, and, and I was inspired this morning, you know. We talk around here, you can get, hey, it's not a hand clap for Oscar, it's a hand clap for the Lord, right? Amen. We talk all the time around here about uh, worshiping in spirit and truth and freedom. That's, by the way, if you're kind of new to Harvest Point, that's who we are. Um, we just want to allow folks to connect with God and, and, and to uh, lift high Jesus Christ. So um, I thought that happened very well as I learned a brand new song this morning as we start out. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today. It's called I Love My Church. And today, um, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about what I love about our, our church, but I'm going to be doing that every week as we go forward. And then you're going to get to hear other voices talk about how and why they love um, our church. But uh, this is an awesome time for us to grow and remember what God put the church on the planet for. Now, as we begin this morning, um, I want to show you a few pictures. And I'm going to ask you to kind of shout out, tell me, what emotions those invoke, what you think of when you see those pictures. Now, the pictures of the places I'm going to show you, these are, these are places or buildings. These are, these, are, these are things you have to go to. Now, I'm not going to show you a picture of Disney World because that's a want to go, right? I'm going to show you a picture of places that we have to go. There are some places in this life that you just you, 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 you need to go. You have to go, all right? And here's some of those. So I've got my marker here. And I'm going to show you a picture of a place, and I want you to tell me what you think of when you think of that place, okay? So the first one is this. That's the DMV in Locust Grove, okay? You know what the DM, Department of Motor Vehicles? Anybody got a feeling there? What is it? Huh? Headache. headache. A headache. What else? Stress. <laughs> headache. Let me, get, let me get one more word because this is harder than I thought. Stress. I heard what, somebody right here. Standing in line, standing, <laughs> standing in line or patience. Here's another one. Here's another have-to place. Um, how about this one? A doctor's office, Eagles Landing Family Practice. What do you think of when you think about that one? Money. money. Somebody over there, money and, huh, serious? No. Scary, 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 money. Pain. I like, I'm going to go with the pain. I like the pain. Pain. All right. And here's one more have to place. Um, what is this one? I can't remember. Oh, grocery store. What's a grocery What do you, what do you think? What do you, expensive. Expensive. Uh, expensive. I don't know whether y'all heard that one. Somebody said BOGO. Buy one, get one free. All right. BOGO. Did I hear another one out there somewhere? Senior day, I'll take that one. It's so hard to hear up here. Senior day. Senior day. Now, those are a bunch of different words. I know you can't read them all, but you heard a lot of them, okay? Those are have two places. Now, I don't want you to scream out this one, but I want you to still think the same, okay? I want, I want, to, I want you to think about what emotion, what thought comes to you when this pops up. Now, this is a picture of our church, all right? And here's what I want you to know. 
that when folks see our church, when they ride by our church, when they even hear the word, by the way, church, oftentimes an emotion comes from them, okay? Now, for some folks, it's actually some emotions that look like that because their vision of church is a vision of something I have to go to, something I need to go to, not something I want to be a part of, want to go and connect with. They don't think that way. So for them, when they see something like this, they think headache, stress, you know, they think scary, they think money. Are you with me? They think pain, all right? They, they think that way. And here's what I want you to know. One of the reasons that, that my family and I moved here, God called us this area so many years ago to start this church was that there are a lot of people who are what we call, I mean, you can call them whatever you want to call, but they are de-churched, they're unchurched, they've given up on church, sometimes they've given up on God, they, they've been hurt by church, they've tasted church and it was bad, and for them, when they see a picture like that, when they hear a word like church, whenever that comes to them, an emotive response comes out of them, and it's not quite the response that you and I would want them to have. Let me even say this, there might be some of you here this morning that when you hear the word church, you don't have the best thoughts either, okay? Because you've, you've maybe been hurt by the church. You've had a bad experience with the church. Now, here's the goal of the I Love My Church series. I don't want to talk about what you might hear on the news. I don't want to go back 10 years to an experience you had a long time ago. You know what I want to talk about with you? I want to talk about God. I want to talk about God's plan and God's design I want to talk about God's intention for the church, and I don't want us to get caught up in in what we feel or what we want to feel or what we think. I want us to go back to the Bible together, and I want us to ask the question, what did God intend the church to be in the first place? What was God's plan for the church? Because guys, God's plan for the church was certainly not something where it it would be a bunch of that stuff, right? I need to. I have to. God's plan for the church was so much more. So I'm going to invite you during this series to grab that outline, maybe grab a pen that's located in the seat right in front of you, and I'm going to invite you to take some notes and study with me from God's Word, and together I pray that at the end of this series, you are going to have a deeper love for your church, for God's church than you've ever had in your life, and that you will really have an understanding of what God's plan was for His church. Now, before we dive there, what I want to do with you real quickly is I want us to just pray a prayer of invitation. I know this. Anytime I pick up the Bible and I begin to study, I always get more out of it when I actually pray and say, God, speak to me. I open up my heart to receive whatever you have for me. So would you do that with me real quickly? Father, in the next few minutes, we're going to turn to your word, and we believe your word is life. We believe your word is truth. And so, Lord, would you let your word be open to us, open our minds, open our hearts to greater understandings. And Lord, I pray when we drive off this campus today, we will have heard your voice. We open up our spiritual ears right now to listen for your whisper. Would you speak to us, Jesus? Speak to us, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. So I want to, I want to ask that question with you. What was God's intention for the church? That's what this whole series is about. Now, I, I have been in great churches And I've also been in some churches that were not so great. So let me talk about those two kinds of churches for a minute, okay? I've been in churches 
where I thought it was a phenomenally strong, healthy, biblical vision of what God called the church to be. I have been in churches where the fellowship and the family was strong. I've been in churches where there was redemption happening all the time. Marriages were being saved. People were being saved. People were being baptized. Phenomenal things were happening in people's lives. And and I would say this, I thought when I was a part of churches like that, and I believe I'm a part of one of those churches right now, I believe that that is a sweet, powerful thing to God's nose. I think it's a blessing. I think God's intention was that the church would be the greatest hope in the world. Not America, as much as we love America. Not government, as much as we you know, believe in, and hope in our democracy. Not school systems or hospitals or even institutions of greater learning. I believe the hope of the world is the church done right. I believe when the church is done right, lives are saved, people are moved from this world to the kingdom hereafter. I believe everything works better when a church is working right and is a life and light to people's souls. Now, I've also been a part of a church that didn't look anything like that. I mean, honestly. I've been a part of a very large church and a very small church that both struggled with power. I mean, power and politics and, and issues like some of this junk. I mean, money. That's what they were after. I've been a part of, of churches that were about numbers games. I've been a part of churches that, that hurt people. And if I believe there's one key thing a church should never do, it's first. It's that same thing as that Hippocratic Oath that doctors take. First, do no harm. First, do no harm. But I've been in a church where I saw the church tear families apart. Where I saw the church divide people. Where I saw the church fighting like it, wasn't, like it didn't even know the Bible. It didn't even know. I've seen the church definitely not speak the truth. And many times not in love. And can I just tell you that I, in the same way I believe one of the most beautifully fragrant aromas to God in the world is the church done right, can I tell you that I believe when the church is done wrong, it stinks in the nostrils of God. It breaks his heart. I believe it hurts God's heart so much because God planned for the church to be a source of life for all people. So what we're going to focus on is not this. We're going to go back and say, God, what is your vision for the church? And help us to be all about that kind of church. We want to be a part of a church where the church is the hope of the world. Now, the opening scripture I want to share with you in this series comes from John chapter 13. So if you have your Bible or you want to look it up on your iPad there, John chapter 13, Jesus was nearing the end of his life. And I like to think of it this way. You remember last week I was casting vision. I shared our core values with you, and we had all those, those pictures and images up here on the platform, and I was talking about what we believe. And do you remember how last week I said, values determine behavior? And so whatever you value, that's going to affect how you behave, right? And if you want to behave a certain way, you've got to change your value set. I really believe Jesus was getting to the end of his life, and he was doing that same kind of vision casting I was doing last weekend. He was casting a vision for the future. He was casting a vision for the people he loved the most when he said these words in John chapter 13. He said, a new command I give you, love 
one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Let me pause right there for a minute. The new command piece was not the first part, okay? People had been told, even in the Mosaic commands, to love one another, right? You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. That wasn't the new part of the command. Jesus said, a new command that I'm going to give you is love one another as I have loved you. Now you must love one another. Now think about that. I don't even know if they, their minds could grasp that. But Jesus is talking about, I love you infinitely. I love you completely. You break covenant with me. I will not break covenant with you. I will sacrifice. And they didn't understand it right then, but it was, I will die for you. I love you that much. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And now get this vision casting moment. He says, he says by this, all will know. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you have your opinion, I want to underline those words. Everyone will know. Everyone will see how you act. Everybody will see how you behave. They'll see how you live with one another. Everyone will look at that and they will know by your very love that you are my disciples. Now, here's the cool part of that. Follow me, right? This is pre-church. This is before the book of Acts, right? There's no church yet. All they've got is temple and synagogue and all that going on. They don't have the church that would birth the New Testament Christian biblical church births in Acts chapter 2. Now, you know that whole story, and we're going to read a part of that this morning. But what I want you to understand is Jesus is talking before that, and he's giving them a vision of what they will one day be, and it's all in the context of what? Love. Jesus' vision is my vision for you is that you're going to love each other like nobody's ever loved each other on the planet. That you're going to love other people so much. When the world looks at you, they go, how does that work? You get that picture, guys? This, what Jesus is saying is, my people will be known by. My people will have a reputation of their love. Their love. I told you, if you, if you bull harvest that harvest point, our church down to to just two vision pieces. I talk about it like the, like the front and the back of a coin. I believe God has called us to be great lovers, love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors, ourselves. And then the other side of that coin, to be incredibly generous. I think God's called us to model his generosity. By that, people will see our love. Well, here, he's, Jesus is saying, my church, my disciples will be known, their reputation will be their great love. Now, my question for you, and I'm going to ask you this every week, and we're going to talk about it, what does that really mean? I mean, what does it really mean to love that way? I mean, can you flesh it out for me? Can you give me some application points? How do we really learn how to love that way? And so here's what I want you to know. Today is an overview, but next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the next week, I'm going to break down every part of this thing called love, and we're going to talk about how the church is really supposed to love, Okay. But today I'll give you an overview. Now, in your notes, you'll notice a little, little part that says three metaphors. And I want to share three metaphors kind of on this opening Sunday of this brand new series, I Love My Church, because I hope these metaphors will really help you get an understanding of what the church is for some people, what it can be for some people, and maybe even more importantly, which one of these metaphors is you? Which one of these metaphors matches your vision of the church, Okay. So what does it mean to really love? That's the question. What does it really mean to love? I asked Lisa to help me out here, and I brought something that I love, okay? Now, 
It's a McDonald's bag of food, okay? Um, do you love McDonald's? I love McDonald's, all right? Oh, none of you love McDonald's, right? Okay, so I love French fries, but what I want to talk to you about is I'm just using McDonald's bag as a metaphor. I'm just going to sit this bag right here for a minute. I'm going to use this McDonald's bag as a metaphor, but I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about McDonald's. I'm going to talk to you about something that happened to me and my wife recently and, and my family. We, we left church one day and we found a new restaurant. Don't you like finding new restaurants? Um, we went, should I, I guess I'm about to do a commercial for a restaurant here in the area. I don't know if I should do that. Um, we left out of the church here. We went up, we went up here to, to Highway 20 and there's, a, there's one of these, um, have, you, have you found yet these faster, um, quick service Japanese restaurants? Have any of y'all found those yet? I mean, they're like Japanese where they go and cook the food, but they don't cook it in front of you and you pay a lot less price, right? I think the one down here is called what, Joe, you know, Fuji or something like that, right? Joe and some other folks took. And can I tell you that we went, and we had a great experience. I mean, there was a lot of food, a lot of good, if you like Japanese food, a lot of really good Japanese food. They had the yum-yum sauce and all that kind of stuff. It was completely filling. It was super fast, and it was a lot cheaper than going to the Japanese place where, you, you know, they're putting on the show and the fire and everything, right? It was awesome. Now, I thought to myself when I enjoyed that great meal. I thought to myself, we're coming back here. And then I found out there was one even close to my house. I was like, cool, this is, is going to be a new stop for us and our family. We're going to enjoy this restaurant. Now, you know what? I may at some point have a bad experience. I haven't had one yet. I may at some point have a bad experience. And, but you know, here's the deal with a good restaurant. You pay them money, right? And then they give you something. And you, you, you go back if you like the something that they give you. That's, that's it. And, and, and by the way, if I wanted to, if I liked it enough, I guess I could go on Yelp and I could give it a little review or something. Hey, other people come over here. You know, that's the restaurant. Now, that's kind of crazy. And I brought my McDonald's bag to say this. I love, I love, I loved a restaurant. I mean, is that fair to say that? I loved a restaurant experience. Okay. Now that is some people's, that's some people's connection with church. Okay. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But some people... That's kind of their understanding of church. I go, I give a little something, mainly I get, and I like what I get, and I'm coming back, okay, because I like what I get. That's their vision of church. Now, here's another metaphor for me. Go ahead. This, this is a football, and this does, I'm not going to let this represent a football. I'm going to actually let this represent a team, Okay. And believe it or not, it's not going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. My favorite team, uh, be careful here, George, I know you're listening to me. My favorite team is no longer the Georgia Bulldogs. I switched allegiances. My favorite team, and I'm going to let it be the metaphor for what I'm going to share here. My favorite team has become a local high school team. Now, my son plays high school football, and um, they're pretty good at what they do. But here's the cool thing. Um, I have a connection with a team, okay? Now, it's a successful team. They win. They teach great discipline to boys, and they actually allow me the chance to be a part of being a team. So we get to do something together, and we accomplish things together. Now, the the goal is not wins. They make that very clear. The goal is developing young men for Jesus Christ. The goal is that we would use the game of football to do something that is eternal. And so it's exactly what we do on that football team. And my son is one positional player among many. And I am not a coach on that football team, 
but I am kind of a coach on that football team. I'm on that field all the time. I'm coaching my son, and a lot of those boys call me coach. Now, what's interesting about that team is I know a lot of their names. Can I tell you, there's so many boys, I still don't know a lot of their names. I just don't. I know a lot of them, but I don't know a lot of them, okay? But together we do something, and I love, I love a football team, okay? Let me say that. I love a restaurant. I love a football team. Now, for some people, this is kind of their vision. This is kind of their vision of church. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They want to be a part of something that wins. They want to do something. And they want to be a part of a team that does something bigger than them. And that is what... Now, by the way, it, it, they may never know everybody's name, you know, but at least they're a part of it. And they feel like they're a part of it. And they feel like they're accomplishing something. And they do know some people. So those relationships really matter, especially where they're making a little difference on their part of the team. There's another metaphor. Now, three metaphors I said, right? Here's another one. This is, this is a metaphor, a uh, little Pooh Bear, okay? Now, I, I got to tell you where I got Pooh Bear from. I went upstairs in my house, and I went to Abigail's room, and I took Pooh Bear out off her bed um, because this is a representation. I guess I'll hold Pooh for a minute because I love Pooh. Um, this is a representation of my, my daughter, or maybe he said a little bit more fully, my family. Now, Abigail, let me tell you a little story. The other night, we... Um, my, my, my oldest child turned 22 years of age, and she's off at college. She's a senior in college. Abigail is engaged to be married, and at 22 years of age, we all traveled up to, to Tennessee to go take her out to dinner. A whole, a whole crew of us went up there together because she can't come home. And um, we went up there to take her out to dinner. We all met at a, at a, at a, a P.F. Chang's, and we took her to dinner, and um, it was a great night. She looked, she looked glowing. She's um, very excited about her engagement and getting married. We talked about school together. Um, she's 22 years of age, and somebody gave her a bottle of wine for her birthday. And Abby looked at me and said, Dad, what is the world coming to? <laughs> I mean, that is so much not Abby. But anyway, I mean, Abby, Abby, she's 22 years old. She's growing up. And can I just tell you that I authentically enjoyed that moment of just going and loving on my daughter and wishing her a happy 22nd birthday? Now, Abby was born 22 years ago. And God blessed me with this little girl in my life. And those of you who are parents, you know this. I would die for Abby in a moment. I'm so blessed to have a daughter and sons and, and a wife and family that, that are just uh, the sweetest part of life. For some people, that's kind of a vision of church. Church is... More than something that I just go and get a little something from. More than something that I'm doing with other people and I'm enjoying making a bigger difference. For some people, their metaphor for church is, it's my family. It is my faith family. I believe in them. I will go through life with them. I will sacrifice with them. I authentically love them. From the bottom of my heart, I love these people. This, I'm a part of this family. Now, watch this. You with me? Three metaphors. No metaphor is ever, ever perfect, right? But three metaphors that I just came up with. Now, here's my question. A couple of questions real quickly. Which one of these is more of the way you see church? That's the first question. 
And, and, and what I want to, I'm not trying to, no, no guilt here, okay? No, no, you got to do this. I'm just saying, be real for a minute. Have you looked at church more like this, something that where you go and have a great experience and you get something and therefore you keep coming back because you, you get something? Or have you looked more like church like this? I love to serve. I love my use my gifts. I love being a part of a team. I love doing something bigger than me. This is kind of my deal. Or is it over here, you know, this is, this is my family. I really view them like a family. I do life with them. This is, this, these, these are my peeps, you know, I, I, I would sacrifice. Any one of those like you, before we move on real quickly, think that way. Now, here's what I want you to know. At any stage in life, you can start looking like the church at any one of these metaphors, okay? I've done that. I've, there's a moment where I've, I've stood here, you know, I felt like the church was like that, and a moment here, and a moment here, and then a moment back here, and a moment here, and then way over here again. You can move wherever you want to go. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Your movement between these metaphors and how you see the church is based largely upon one thing, intentionality. You might want to write that down. You'll understand it in just a minute. Your movement between these three metaphors of how you see the church is based largely upon one thing, intentionality. So watch this. If I say, hey, man, this is, this is me. This is me. I enjoy getting something. I come to church to get something, and, and I give a little bit, but I mainly get. If that's where you're at, if you really want to move, if those other things might be more attractive to you, you don't just move by making up your mind, oh, I'm just going to move today. You don't do that. You actually have to do something intentionally. You have to be very intentional about your actions and your behavior to all of a sudden move to this or to move way over here. You have to do something intentionally to really change that. Now, watch this. Watch this. Let's just say you're, you're right here. Man, have you ever, some people, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you have been here. You were invested. You were part of a faith family. You loved church. You loved the people. And then all of a sudden, something went south. And those people hurt you, or maybe something went wrong, or whatever. And you said, huh, that, that didn't taste well, that didn't smell well, I didn't like that, I want out of that. And you said, mm, 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 I'm going over here. Uh, church, maybe you even went way over here and said, I'm going to do without church for a little while, okay? And then you maybe later on you said, okay, I'm going to give this another try, but I'm just going to do it at this, at this first level here. I'm just going to come. You, you, you see what I'm saying? You, you only move through intentionality, all right? You don't move by chance. You move by intentionally deciding, hey, I am going to, I am going to do something different. Does that make any sense? Are you following me on that? So, let me real quickly give you an overview. Well, I guess before we leave that, one final thought here. God's vision for the church is so much more than this. And even though this is very good, it's so much more than this. And whenever you see me write an email, I don't even know if you know this as your pastor. Have you ever noticed that I often use the words Harvest Point, faith, family? For me, I think one of God's biggest pictures of what a church is supposed to be is truly a family. Even better than that, a greater metaphor, of course, the biblical metaphor, a husband and wife, the groom and the bride. This is the picture of the church, right? And so over the next, over the next few weeks, I'm going to unpack this a little bit. How do we really love? That's the question. How do we really love the way God wants us to love? If you have your pen, I'm, you see that big bold block right there in the middle of your notes? What does it really look like to love the church? What does it really look like? 
What I want to share with you is four, uh, four things real quickly. Write these down. And then in the coming weeks, I'm going to spend one week on every one of these. We're going to dig deeper. We're going to go in the scriptures, and we're going to, we're going to explore it more, okay? The first one, write this one down. You, what does it mean? Love by connecting. Love by connecting. That means dropping the walls and saying, no, I'm only so far. I'm not. It means really saying, okay, I'm going to allow you into my life. I'm going to connect with you. Look at what it says in Acts 2, which is a story of the early church, the birthing of the other church. It says they devoted, you might want to underline that word, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. By the way, I'm just going to pause there for a minute because that, that is so full of stuff. They devoted themselves to teaching and learning about God's kingdom together. That's the first thing. They devoted themselves to fellowship, connecting with other believers. They didn't put up walls. They started connecting with other people in deeper ways than they ever had before. I like to call it this way, doing life. They started breaking bread together. That doesn't mean like holy communion. That actually means eating with each other in their houses. They started, they started loving each other, going to each other's houses. They were breaking bread. They were eating together in each other's houses, and they were praying together, which, by the way, is one of the most intimate things you can do with other people praying together. They were connecting. They were loving each other through their connection. They were bonding their hearts. I'll say it a different way, and we'll study this next week. Their souls were being knit together by God. They were doing things, and their souls, God was knitting their souls together, which is like, whoa, that's cool. But God does that kind of thing when we connect. So here's the idea. The idea is community. The idea is fellowship. The idea is relationship, deep relationship with other people. That's what connecting is. The idea is that church to me is more than just knowing people's names or maybe even saying, oh, yeah, um, Burma. Yeah, I know Burma. She sits over there. I see you, Burma. You know, it's not that. Church is more than that, okay? Church is more than just knowing a few people's names and knowing where they sit. Church is actually doing life with people at a much deeper level. Here's the idea so that nobody's doing life alone, so that nobody's standing alone, and together we are linked up. Everybody's in the family together. We are connecting. That's the image. You get that picture? Oh, I shouldn't preach yet. We're going to talk about that next week, okay? Love by connecting. Here's the next one, right? Write this one down. We love. How, how do we love? We love by serving. Love by serving. Going forward in that Acts passage, it says this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs, you might want to underline those two words, wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the idea here, and we talked about this a little bit last week, the idea here is that you have gifts, you have talents, okay, that God has given you, and he wants you to use those to serve. Mark, I told you I was going to plug it, and here's my moment. Come here for just a minute. Now, this is kind of a crazy thing, and you guys might, maybe some of you know this guy and some of you don't. This is Mark McLeod. And Mark is a dear brother of mine, has an awesome family, and I've never met somebody. Mark, would you stand up here so everybody can see you? I've never met anybody in my life that looked more like Jesus than Mark, okay? <laughs> I mean, this guy, he's, he's like the image that you see on the postcards or the pictures of Jesus, right? So Mark does this. <laughs> oh, what am I talking about right now? I'm talking about gifts, right? I'm talking about serving. I'm talking about talents and skills. And sometimes it's not even thing you, you, you learned on your own. This is the way God made you. Like, God made Mark to kind of look like Jesus. I could never grow my facial hair to look like that. Anyway, so you, if you don't know Mark's story, you should pull Mark aside one time and just say, Mark, would you just tell me, like, tell me five things, five moments in your life where you ministered just because you look like Jesus? 
And Mark would tell you, number one, that I'll hold for last, but he would tell you about a moment where called Jesus prom. And I wish I could, I'm going I'm to leave it for Mark. Ask Mark about the Jesus prom where they invited um, handicapped children, special needs children to a prom, and it was Jesus' prom. And I, it's awesome. Mark would tell you about story after story after story where God used him in some type of drama or function where he showed up and he was Jesus. He, was, he portrayed Jesus in that moment. Right now, here in Henry County, a tribulation trail. Have you heard of tribulation trail before? Mark is Jesus at the end of tribulation trail. It started this past weekend, and I told Mark, I wanted to encourage every one of you to take somebody to, to tribulation trail. Tribulation trail, so many people work so many hours to tell a, a gospel story, a real story about heaven and about hell. And at the very end, you get to see Mark, and you get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, Mark, tell me this past weekend, we, we, we saw how many people saved? Uh, it was about uh, 11 and 18 rededications. 11 people say just in the last couple of nights and 18 people rededicating their life to Jesus Christ just this past. And it was the opening weekend. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? A tribulation trail. Thank you, Mark. I, I, just, I, I, I want you to go to tribulation trail, but I also want you to understand that Mark has been gifted a certain way and you've been gifted a certain way. You've got talents and skills and, and natural gifts that you might not even know about, all right? I'll say it this way. You, you have uh, been supernaturally empowered. you got superpowers, all right? you got superpowers and gifts that you might not even know about. And I think one of the jobs of the church is help you discover those gifts, employ those gifts, and use them in your kingdom work, whatever that looks like. It might look totally different than your neighbor. Use your gifts to impact the kingdom. These disciples were serving alongside one another. That's one of the ways we love, okay? Another way we love, write this one down. Another way that we love is by giving. Giving. We're going to talk about this on week three, by giving. Now watch how in Acts 2, their generosity flowed because of their relationship. Watch what happens. It says, in Acts 2, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Let me break that apart for a minute. They, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. So here's the idea. The idea is that you would be so open to doing life, you'd be so open to sharing with other people, giving to other people, loving on them that way, giving of your life, that if you had something, it was very welcome to be used by somebody else because they're your brother and sister in Christ. You always let your brother or your sister borrow stuff. So if I need a lawnmower, I might call Lucas up and say, Lucas, can I borrow a lawnmower? And Lucas say, absolutely. It's not my lawnmower. It's God's lawnmower, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, take it on. Use it, right? This is... This is that kind of love and giving. Every, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. It was like, what's mine is yours. We're all stewards for God. We're giving, giving, giving. This is who we are. And they began to sell property. They began to sell possessions because their hearts were so moved, and they saw people in need. You all guys, that's a vision for the church. When you look at a world in need, and you've given all you can, and you start selling stuff just to start meeting other people. You get that vision? Man, do you think God's heart gets excited about that? That happened in the early church, and we're going to talk more about that in week three. Write this one down. Week, week number four, we're going to talk about loving by sharing. Loving by sharing. Watch what happens. It says in Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Then they broke bread in their homes. If you have your pen, you might want to underline in the temple courts. 
and then separately underlined in their homes. Two different environments where they began to do life together and share the good news. I'll break that apart in just a minute. But in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Underline that real quickly. Glad and sincere hearts. And then it says, praising God and join the favor of all the people. So watch this. They were sharing their lives together. So they, when it says they met together in the temple carts, that, that's like meeting in public. They met out in the public, and they shared their faith with people. And then guess what? They went inside their homes. And inside their homes, they grew deeper as they studied God's word together, and they enjoyed life in their homes. I love those two words. It says, glad and sincere hearts. Two pictures of the early church. It means they were happy. They were authentically happy and more fulfilled than they were before the birth of the church. And watch this one. It's sincere, real. They were real, authentic. This wasn't games. This wasn't masks. This was real. They were real with each other. And, and I don't have it there, but you remember the next sentence right after that, right? It says, enjoying the favor of all the people, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a picture of the early church. And that last part, sharing. We're sharing words, right? In the public, they share words, they share deeds. They did both of those two things. That's the picture picture of the church. In week four, we're going to go deeper in that. Now, just a couple of final thoughts here real quickly. Track with me. We're going to be studying God's plan for the church. And we're going to go back to the book of Acts, and we're going to study the book of Acts and how we saw God's church do phenomenal things. But watch this for me. Have you ever thought about this? The early church, the early New Testament church could only offer people two things. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have choirs or musicians. They didn't have, uh, they did, they didn't even have, they didn't have children's ministries, youth ministries. They didn't have any mission opportunities. The early church could offer people two things, salvation in Christ and community. You might want to write that down somewhere. I would challenge you to remember that because the early church, at the heart of it, I still think that's what the church has got to be doing today. No matter where it goes, no matter what it does, the church has always got to remember the two things that the church could offer in the very beginning and what it's got to continue to remember that it really can only offer today. See, churches get so caught up in, in building stuff and in building ministries and multiplying ministries that it's all about what we, all these ancillary things. At the heart of the whole thing, the church comes down to two things, offering salvation and offering community. That, I think, blesses God's heart. Now, watch this. I'm going to challenge you to, um, to do some things here. And I don't have this in your outline, so you might want to flip it over to the back and write down five things, okay? Five things I want to challenge you to do during this series to get the most out of this series, all right? Number one, write this one down. Number one, I love my church. Don't miss a week, all right? Don't miss a week as we talk about each one of these four big ways that we love because we're going to break it apart. We're going to squeeze it. We're going to go to different scriptures. We're going to talk about how you can really love by connecting, by giving, by sharing. This is how we're going to teach you. So don't miss a week. And I would tell you, hey, watch this. I would tell you, invite a family friend or, or invite a family member, invite a friend, invite somebody to come to church with you because this is going to be a great season just celebrating all that the church is. Be a good time for somebody to come to church. Secondly, watch this. Secondly, I invite you to get a t-shirt. Now, you can only get a t-shirt today, all right? 
Today we're taking orders for I Love My Church, and you can buy a t-shirt in the lobby. It's going to take three weeks to get it in, so by week four of the series, we'll have your shirts on a Sunday morning. I invite you to get a t-shirt. Now, now let me tell you, watch this. I'm not inviting you to get a t-shirt because we're starting a new series, okay? I am not inviting you to get a t-shirt because the church wants money. As a matter of fact, we are losing money on every t-shirt, believe me. Watch this. I'm inviting you to get a t-shirt. Because when you wear this big thing right here, did you, do you realize, Ron, can you read my shirt? You can read this from a long ways away, can't you? This morning, I, start, I stopped off at McDonald's to get my bag and to get my, my goodies. And um, I got out of my car, and I started to walk across the street, and a guy pulled up his car, and he stopped. And, you know, in that kind of moment, you're kind of catching each other's eye. He's about to tell me to kind of cross in front of him. Can I tell you, I, caught what, I knew what he was doing. He was reading my shirt. <laughs> he was looking at my shirt. Now, if the guy wouldn't have been in the car and me crossing across, um, here's what the shirt does. The shirt gives you a chance to have a conversation. What is your church? Why do you love your church? Here's my experience with church. All of a sudden, a shirt opens a doorway to conversation? Yeah. So, number two, I want to invite you to grab a shirt because who knows what conversation might be open from a little... I love my church shirt, right? All right, number three. Ready for this one? I need some help here from my ushers. Where are our ushers at? Need your help. We, uh, we have little red, got to go faster. Got to get a whole bunch of them out. We have little red bracelets that we bought for everybody that just say, I love my church, okay? Now, you might say, hey, I can't, I can't afford a, a T-shirt. They're 10 bucks. Or maybe you say, hey, you know, I, 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 we're, giving, we're giving these. Hand them out. Throw them out. You start, throw, just pass them. Throw them. We're going to hand a bracelet to everybody, all right? Pass, pass them down the rows, hand one down, hand one down, hand one down. We're going we're gonna to give you an I Love My Church bracelet, and I'm just going to invite you to wear it during this series, all right? And I'm going to invite you to wear it to work, and I'm going to invite you to wear it when you walk in the dog in your neighborhood. I'm going to invite you to wear an I Love My Church bracelet, and here's the deal. You know what else is a conversation starter? This bracelet. Now, this bracelet's not going to start nearly as many conversations as this big old I Love My Church shirt. But this right here, somebody will see that and it will make a difference. They'll start thinking about something, even if you don't have a conversation at the moment, okay? So everybody, before you leave here today, I want to make sure you get your I Love My Church bracelet, okay? All right. Now, fourthly, watch this one. Get your bracelet, but you can pay attention to something else. Ready? Number four, events. Events. This Wednesday night, hey, Tim, can you put up game night for me? This Wednesday night, we're going to have game night. I already mentioned it before, right? This Wednesday night. Hey, you want to you connect with other people? This is a great moment to connect and have some fun at the same time. So come this Wednesday night to game night. And then here's another one. Hey, Tim, maybe you'd put this one up. We're going to have a chili cook-off, right? Next Sunday, we're going to have a chili cook-off. And we're going to have a great time of eating. Here's what we're also going to do. Every bowl of chili we buy goes to support our youth ministry, gives them money for their budget. So great moment. At the very end of the month, we're going to have a kingdom fest, right, where we're going to be serving the community, loving and inviting children from all of There are three events that we're building into this series, game night, chili cook-off, and the kingdom fest that are great ways for you to practice being the church with one another. So number four is events. Be a part of these events with us. And then lastly, lastly is um, if you want to go deeper than what I'm going to be doing on Sunday mornings, we're going to have a small group available over the next two weeks. You can't get one today, but starting next week, you can get one. And on our Wednesday night, starting in week number three, we'll start a new study that kind of follows behind what we've been learning here on Sunday. 
and it's a Bible study called I Love My Church. Be right here at Wednesday nights, purposely plugged in. You can be a part of going deeper. Uh, when we, after week three, that Wednesday night, we'll launch this. And you can, you can get one of these books. It'll be in our lobby over the next two weeks. You can come here on Wednesday night. How are we doing? Everybody, everybody, everybody got a bracelet? You got a bracelet? Good. I love my church. I am praying that you grow in your great love of God's church as we go deeper in God's word and remember what God's intention was from the church, for the church from the very beginning. Hey, would you pray for me? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who we are together. We're a young church, but we're a growing church. And most of all, Lord, we're seeking to grow like you want us to grow. So over the new, next few, few weeks, would you remind us, help us just kind of put our experiences in the past and help us to, to vision and dream forward about what your intention, your purpose was when you started the church. Help us to really do some things intentionally, maybe to move from just a restaurant mentality or a team mentality to being a deeper family, the deeper family that you want us to be as the body of Christ. And Father, for that person... I close this prayer by just praying for that person or those persons who've been hurt by the church, who at some point, maybe they got lost. Maybe the church didn't take care of them. I just pray, Lord, that you would help them hold that up before you receive healing for that. And to remember, in the name of Jesus, that was never your intention. Your intention is the church would be a place of love. So the world would look at the church and they would say, those are disciples of Jesus the Christ. May it be so with us. May we be that kind of church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, we're going to close. I, I was driving to church this morning. Sometimes I'm driving to church and a song comes on the radio. And I think to myself, man, we've got to sing that this morning. And this crew already had planned to sing it. I was like, okay, that sounds great. It was that song we sang a little bit earlier, just reminding us that we have a good, good father and reminding us who we are, right? We are his children. Would you stand with me? We're going to close with this as we, as we group ready to drive off this campus. Make this your prayer. Make this your worship. Your good, good father is who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. Hey!